You're now listening to a Binge Bull Brain podcast, the show that teaches simple neuroscience-based strategies to ending binge eating, overeating, and emotional eating through the inside-out understanding of your habits. I'm Natalia, your host, and I'm here to help you create wellness without the obsession. Let's get started. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Binge Bull Brain podcast. In today's episode, we are going to talk about your inner pig. And if you've never heard that way to describe your binge urges, then you probably can skip today's podcast episode because this episode is addressed to an audience who is already familiar with this concept. So in his book, Never Binge Again, Glenn Livingstone introduces the concept of inner pig as a way to conceptualize binge urges. And in his opinion, the way to understand and overcome binge eating is to confront your inner pig and put it into cage. So this inner pig drives binge eating. It's just a part of your uh, psyche that turns your desire for food. And it's this powerful force that can take over your thoughts and actions, leading to out-of-control eating. So Livingstone's method for overcoming binge eating involves recognizing the inner pig's power and learning to control it through several strategies, like setting up clear boundaries around food. And frankly speaking, It's been years since I read the book, (laughs) so I'm not going to give you a commentary on the book or I'm not going to review it. Simply, I don't remember it in such detail and I don't want to reread it. (laughs) All I remember is the negativity in the style it was written. However, I also noticed that this book and this approach is still popular amongst my clients and amongst my potential clients. And I think that it's because this was one of the first mainstream books about binge eating. So it's been on the market for years. So it collected a lot of reviews. Now you can see how reviews are really important. (laughs) So if you still haven't uh, given this podcast a review, please do so because apparently it helps a lot. So I believe that this book has a lot of reviews and therefore a lot of people Um, you know, this is their way to find uh, binge eating recovery. And that's probably also a book for people who prefer a tough, love, semi-shaming approach. I also think that a lot of us just want to believe that there is something wrong with us. And this book gives you a clear solution. Like, you have an inner pig and you need to cage your inner pig. And you know, I wish it would be that simple. (laughs) So in today's podcast episode, I want to just discuss and tell you what I think about this whole concept of controlling your inner pig. So first, let's take a look at the word control. Control means also manage. (laughs) And as a fully recovered person, I, I don't need to control or manage my eating disorder. Sure, it doesn't mean that I'm protected from relapse. Sure, in the future, I could still relapse on my eating disorder. But right now, I do experience a real food freedom. 
And many people who follow this approach or food addiction approach, they still kind of have to manage their eating disorder slash food addiction. At least it looks like that from my point of view. However, people who follow intuitive eating approach do not have to manage <laughs> their eating disorder. So my question to you is, what do you want? Do you want to just manage your eating disorder or do you want a real food freedom? But of course, my real problem with this approach isn't with um, just the control part, but just <laughs> about the, the inner pig. <laughs> Because I believe that language matters. So in his book, Glenn Livingstone recommends that we call this inner self the pig. Of course, you can also use the substitute word. And in general, I kind of agree that it's a good idea to personify your, your habit of binge eating, at least for some people. Some people find it helpful because it allows them to separate themselves from their habit. However, I feel like in this book, he clearly <laughs> says that you need to see this inner pig as your enemy. And in my approach, I suggest people to see it just as an innocent habit or as a protective mechanism that developed as a way to help you during hard times. Because we have to realize that the inner pig slash habit is often driven by past traumas, negative emotions and unmet needs. Uh, so in my opinion, it's not your enemy. <laughs> and we also know that everyone is doing the best they can with the resources they have available at any given time. So binge eating is not your enemy. It was developed as a way to help you. So binge eating can be a mechanism that evolved to protect you, to take you away from uncomfortable feelings, to help you survive tough times or help you survive by just giving you energy. <laughs> We all know that binge eating is often uh, driven by weight loss. So instead of shutting down, putting into cage the part of you that wants to binge, maybe it would be more helpful to ask it why it thinks it's effectively helping you. Maybe ask, uh, ask it, does it like its job of making you binge? You know, maybe this part of you that compels you to binge is actually tired of this job and, you, and it would rather do something else instead. So ask yourself, what is this part really wants from you? What it has been trying to help you with? So in my opinion, approaching this habitual part of your human experience with compassion and understanding is more helpful and gives you better results. But if you know me, you know that I'm all about peace and love and not about <laughs> more war, hatred, rules and control. So that's why I felt compelled <laughs> to talk about uh, how much I dislike this approach. But I, but I see that uh, many people can find it helpful. Uh, well, in this approach, what many people can find helpful is that they are able to clearly recognize when the pig squeals. And for them, it's a sign that they should ignore their cravings. So this is kind of like a black and white approach. Um, but I, 
I've noticed that uh, people's food boundaries are just too idealistic. They want to eat perfectly. And that's not a real world. It's not practical to always aim for perfect eating. We all know that innocent cravings are totally fine. They are a normal part of life. Um, However, for a person who follows this approach, even the innocent craving can become a pig squeal that needs to be caged, which I think is a problem. (laughs) Another useful part of this approach is that you can quickly learn when it's your inner pig asking for food. However, I don't like to see it that way as a pig squeals. You know, okay, we can identify that certain sentences are a part of our binge eating habit. But I still think that language matters. It's better to call those to call those sentences just a part of your habit, um, maybe even a primitive brain, rather than calling it my inner pig squealing. Another good thing in this approach is that you can learn to depersonalize the inner pig in order to see that it's not a reflection of your true self, but it's rather a temporary state. However, I feel like people are not doing that. (laughs) People misinterpret um, this approach because when you follow this approach, of course, you have to eat a couple of times a day. Therefore, you have to think about caging your pig a couple of times a day. So you don't really start seeing it as a separate entity. You rather start seeing it as a broken part of yourself. And we all know that where your attention goes, energy flows. I talked more about it in the episode about the quantum Zeno effect, that the more you focus on your inner pig, the more your brain believes it's important, the more thoughts it's going to offer to you about food, inner pig, and your brokenness as a form of eating disorder. <laughs> and I think that that this, uh, you know, looking for, for ways that you are broken it's kind of like human tendency. We kind of like to see our imperfections. We look for them. Um, and sometimes we even go on a quest to fix ourselves. <laughs> you know, each human being has some insecurities. We all have parts of ourselves that we do not like. We want to change. And we have trouble with accepting these kind of parts of us. So even if you're going to zoom out a little bit and look at, you know, different civilizations, you're going to notice that there are religions like Christianity where there's a belief in original sin. (laughs) And this doctrine says that all human beings are born innately evil beings. (laughs) And the state of sin was inherited from Adam and Eve's disobedience. And that's the source of all humanity's sinful nature. And this belief says that uh, people are inherently flawed and they are unable to reach salvation on their own because we all need Jesus Jesus Christ to save us all. (laughs) So this belief is quite prevalent, even if you're going to look at the statistics, how many people are Christian in the world. Uh, and I think that this Christianity, this this approach, 
it, it kind of subconsciously shaped our culture. Think about it. How many of us believe that we are broken by nature because we do not fit into some kind of box? We fall outside the, the accepted cultural norms. For example, you may feel that you do not fit into a box because of your physical appearance, because of your mental diagnosis like ADHD or autism. Uh, maybe you feel not accepted because of your sexuality or gender expression and so on. Uh, but, but coming back to the food issues, I think that whether we allow people to believe in the concept of inner peak as the broken part of themselves or their character trait, we indicate that this trait is fixed. It's the example of fixed mindset because you are told, you know, this is your nature. This is your disorder. Your life has been determined by the cards you were dealt. Of course, you will feel stuck in your eating disorder thinking this way. And as you may predict that I'm a big fan of growth mindset. If you've ever heard about Carol's Dweck, growth versus fixed mindset, you know what I mean. So believing in your inner pig, I think it's an example of fixed mindset. However, believing in power of neuroplasticity, that's an example of growth mindset. So seeing ourselves as inherently broken is not good for us. <laughs> so believing that Uh, that inner pig that you hate is a part of you leads to rejection of hurting part of yourself. Because the part of yourself that is hurting, that's the part that is sending those urges to binge. And I think that from the mental health perspective, it's not healthy to completely reject part of yourself, even if it's a part that you despise. Doing so can lead to feelings of shame and low self-esteem and that can cause you to disconnect from your emotions and experiences. Rejection of certain aspects of ourselves can lead to internal conflict and psychological distress. So what's better alternative? Well, at least try coming to terms with these parts of yourself that you don't like. I believe that you can learn to accept and integrate them so that you feel better about yourself. And yeah, I said that that it's an aspect of yourself, but it's not really aspect of, of you. It's an aspect of your experience. Because that, that's the mistake that, that everybody <laughs> makes, is that we misidentify with our habits, thoughts and feelings. We sometimes forget that we are the awareness. So the passing thoughts, feelings are not who we are. They are temporary events arising in our awareness. And the only thing that doesn't change is our awareness. So our true identity is nameless and formless because you are the untouched awareness that is present prior to thought and feeling and experience. So using spiritual lingo to answer the question who you are, we would have to say that 
um, that you need to look at the part of yourself that is looking. <laughs> that is who, who you are. <laughs> okay, so in general, there is no point in identifying yourself with all changeable parts of your life. Well, in everyday life, it is kind of helpful and practical to say that, oh, I'm a husband, I'm a New Yorker, I'm a coach, or I don't know, I'm a mother of cats. <laughs> but we have to realize that it's all changeable. Let's say that one day I wear a green dress. Like, I cannot identify myself with this green dress. I shouldn't say that I'm a woman in a green dress. <laughs> Because obviously... That's changed. Now I'm wearing different clothes. But it's the same with your personality traits and different habits. Because even though you may say that I am a shy person, I bet that it's not 100% true all the time. There are moments when you are not shy. The same with binge eating habit. You, you are not binging all the time, like 24-7. You are not doing it. So you are not this habit all the time. Before you fall for never binge again approach to binge eating recovery, ask yourself, what's your end game? Like, do you want to have more self-love, self-acceptance? Do you want to stop thinking about food obsessively? Do you want to start seeing yourself as innately healthy? Do you want to eat intuitively? And then ask yourself, you know, Will following the concept of inner pig really get you there? Because I believe that we can't hate ourselves into a version of ourselves we can love. <laughs> so if you want to have food freedom, if you want to eat according to your true values, and if you want to effortlessly problem solve challenging food situations, you need something more than just mindless obedience to the self-imposed diet rules and food boundaries. That's all what I wanted to share with you today. I would love to hear about your experiences with Never Binge Again approach and program and book. <laughs> Did you like it or maybe you disliked it? And if so, please Let me know. And of course, let me know how long have you been able to stick to this approach. <laughs> I know that many of you tried, but how about the long-term results? I'm curious about that. So thank you so much for listening to me today and see you in the next podcast episode. Bye! If you enjoyed today's podcast episode and you would like to stay in touch with me, Make sure to follow Binge Poor Brain on Instagram and if you are ready to take this material to the next level and apply what you've learned, then go ahead and submit your coaching application for my Binge Poor Brain coaching program. Thank you so much for joining me today and have a great day. Bye!